0: You are listening to "Teach Me Thy Statutes," a production of the Ephesus School Network.
1: Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed when. They Hi,
0: this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the "Teach Me Thy Statutes" podcast, episode number fifty-three.
1: Today's reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 9 through 16. Brethren, God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst, and we are ill-clad and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled we bless, when persecuted we endure, when slandered we try to conciliate. We have become and are now as the refuse of the world, the offscouring of all things. I do not write this to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Father, this is the first time we've discussed either the epistles to the church in Corinth. Would you begin by giving us some background on this first letter to the Corinthians?
0: Yes, I believe you are correct, Jason, that we have not yet dealt with this epistle, so I'm glad we're now able to do so, and I'm happy to provide a little background on this letter to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was primarily, if not exclusively, a Gentile community. That is to say, the church there would have been made up primarily of Roman converts to the faith. Perhaps there was one or two or even a handful of Jewish Christians there, but they certainly would have been in the minority. And quite clearly, when you read the epistle to the Corinthians, you can see that Paul is addressing them as Gentiles. So that's why I say they were primarily, if not exclusively, a Gentile church.
1: And why do you bring that up, Father? What is important about that?
0: I bring it up because we've talked several times on the podcast about the book that immediately follows the two epistles to the Corinthians when we read through the Bible, the book of Galatians. And one of the things I've highlighted from that epistle, the epistle to the Galatians, is the controversy between Peter and Paul, specifically about how to deal with Gentile converts and whether they should be subject to following aspects of the Mosaic Law, such as circumcision. And that controversy happened because Paul stuck to the teaching of the early church, the teaching of Jesus and the apostles and the New Testament. Paul's view ultimately won out. And the decision that had been made at the so-called Council of Jerusalem that we read about in Acts 15. Namely, the decision there was that the Gentiles did not have to become Jews. They did not have to be circumcised nor follow the dietary laws of the Jews to be part of the Christian community. They remained as Gentiles who put their trust in the biblical God, who would live by his teaching of mercy and grace and love of neighbor as taught by Jesus Christ, but they did not need to become Jews.
1: Okay, that's helpful. But can you clarify further then how this is important to our understanding of 1 Corinthians? And also why it's of note that the church in Corinth was a predominantly Gentile community,
0: Yes. So, in Galatians, Paul vociferously defends the Gentiles, and he insists that the Gentiles need not cease being Gentiles to be Christians. And it's easy for us, in hindsight, to be critical of Peter and James, the ones with whom Paul took issue in Galatians. It's easy for us to be critical of them, because they were going against the decision I mentioned in Acts 15, a council that James himself led and which Peter attended, And so they had all made this agreement that the Gentiles did not have to become Jews to be Christians. But now in Galatians, Paul is saying Peter and James are essentially making them do that. And so what's important about 1 Corinthians from this perspective is to note that you can understand a bit about why Peter and James had become uncomfortable with some of these Gentiles. You see, as you read 1 Corinthians, you see these Gentiles were having some major issues. Issues that would be scandalous to the Jews. Issues that come up because they were part of a completely different culture than the Jews. These Corinthians had not grown up hearing the Bible read and being taught the moral and spiritual tradition of the Jews. And so there was a lot of discomfort with some of these Gentiles being part of the Christian community from people who were of Jewish backgrounds like Peter and James and what we'll see in the epistles to the corinthians is that the gentile communities were far from perfect or ideal in the old testament and certainly also in the new testament in some of paul's teachings and most definitely in jesus railing against the jewish religious establishment of his time we hear a lot about the imperfections of the jewish religious community but in first corinthians we find out that things were no better in the gentile community it's not like paul was defending the gentiles and their inclusion in the Christian community because they were a perfect church, or that they were in any way better than the Jews. Not at all. Paul defends all on the sole basis of putting their trust in the biblical God and his mercy and compassion, and not because any of us are, quote, deserving. We are all part of the Christian community on the basis of grace.
1: Mm, Very helpful. Uh, Thanks for the explanation and that background on the Gentile Christian community in Corinth. It's definitely interesting to think of the similarities in that the Bible is often critical of the Jewish religious establishment, as you said, but also here in 1 Corinthians is equally critical of the Gentile Christian community. So I appreciate the background and for the reminder of the overarching biblical teaching that we all are Christians on the basis of God's grace, and putting our trust in him turning now to the passage i read today more specifically from the fourth chapter of first corinthians in verse 10 paul writes quote, we are fools for christ's sake but you are wise in christ we are weak but you are strong you are held in honor but we in disrepute end quote do i uh do i detect a bit of sarcasm from saint paul here father
0: Yes, absolutely, and I'm glad you picked up on that, because the last thing Paul is doing is commending the Corinthians. And just for clarity, so everyone understands these words are definitely, to use your words, sarcastic, we need to keep in mind verse 14, where Paul says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. So obviously, if Paul was saying these words that you read in verse 10 literally and not sarcastically or as a jab against the Corinthians, then he wouldn't have needed to say he wasn't shaming them, but was rather admonishing or warning them.
1: And so why is Paul admonishing them? What's going on that Paul needs to set them straight?
0: Well, there's several things. Quite clearly, what Paul is addressing in this reading pretty directly is the fact that the Corinthians think being a Christian is an easy thing or a good time. And he's pointing out that if that's the case, and if you were viewed as being honorable by a corrupt world, then you're doing something wrong. He's pointing out that he and the other apostles are being persecuted and punished for living the Christian life. But these Corinthians are going about their business and living as all the other Gentiles do, and so therefore the other non-Christian Gentiles don't seem to have a problem with them. In other words, they're not actively expressing and showing by their actions their Christian faith, their difference from the rest of the world. And this is why I just, I don't understand why so many Christians complain today about feeling like they're persecuted or longing for some so-called Christian society, one that in all honesty never even existed— I mean, when we do that, we're essentially saying, hey, I want to be like the Corinthians. Well, why would you want to be like the Corinthians? They were being rebuked and warned by Paul because they were trying to get off easy as Christians. They wanted to play both sides. But Jesus said that a servant is not greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So we sometimes need an attitude adjustment and a reminder. If they persecuted Jesus, they will persecute us. And as for this notion of a Christian society, I just, I don't get that either. I mean, if you think things were ideal in Constantinople after Constantine the Great made Christianity the official religion, then I think you need to read more closely the lives of the saints. When you do that, you see that we have a transition in the general narratives of those lives. Pre-Constantine, a good number of the saints, perhaps even a majority, were martyrs in the Roman Empire. But after that, after Christianity became the official religion, the majority of saints were at one time or another persecuted by the state and by society and many times by members of the clergy or the official church, the bishops, which again was uh, allegedly a Christian society. So in any case, the Christian needs to understand that if they're doing it correctly, if they're living correctly, Their ways are not going to be popular, and they often won't be popular even among other Christians, let alone in the broader society.
1: I appreciate that broader perspective, Father. And you had mentioned that there were several things going on in Paul's critique here of the Corinthians. What else is he warning them about?
0: Well, if you read the entire epistle, I think you can kind of see what I mean when I try to summarize one of the problems. I would summarize it by saying the Corinthians were living as though they were already in the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is of great importance, I believe, to us today, because many Christians today sort of believe or behave in this way. And what I mean by that is this whole notion we sometimes hear about how we are saved as though it's something that happened in the past, as though we've already reached the goal. And Paul's critique here of the Corinthians is that if you have become a Christian, which is, of course, what people mean when they say that they've been saved. When you become a Christian, it means you have to change the way you live your life in the future. It doesn't mean God forgave you and is also now bound to forgive everything you do in the future because you claim you have faith in him. That's not at all what's happening. What's happening is that God decided to be gracious to you out of an abundance of mercy. It's like we've talked about before. He's giving you an inheritance. And an inheritance is something you never can say you earned by definition, but it is something that you can lose. If your parents don't like your behavior, they can decide to cut you out of the will. And so what Paul is warning the Corinthians is that God was very kind and compassionate in including them in his will, so to speak, in receiving the inheritance but if they do not live according to his law of extending mercy and grace to others and following some of the basic moral teachings of the Bible and of the gospel, then they're going to lose out on that inheritance. They'll be thrown out of God's kingdom. And that's why in verse 14, Paul says he is warning them.
1: Okay, Father, final question for the day. Towards the end of our reading in verses 15 and 16, we hear, quote, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your Father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. So here Paul distinguishes between the guides in Christ, or also translated instructors in Christ, and uh, fathers in Christ. What is Paul driving at here?
0: Good question, and quite frankly, it's a fairly simple answer. A father is one who brings forth children. He's the one who sows the seed, so to speak, and later there blossoms forth the fruit. And we hear this terminology used in the Bible to speak of both biological and spiritual children, this terminology of the seed and the fruit. And so Paul is writing as the one who founded the Christian community in Corinth. He was the one who came and evangelized and taught them, the one that spread the seed of the gospel. And he's saying, look, you can have other teachers and other guides, but I'm the one who delivered this message to you, and you're now going astray from that message. So you need to listen to me, you need to rehear my words, the words that I shared with you when I first evangelized you. And I'm speculating here, but perhaps there was a misunderstanding just as there's a misunderstanding today among many people of Paul's teaching, as I stated just a minute ago. Some people misread Paul and think he's saying, oh, okay, you, you put your faith in God, then it's all good. You aren't saved by your works. And Paul is essentially refuting that here in Corinthians. He's pointing out that's a misunderstanding. You still have to change your life. That doesn't make you, quote, deserving. It doesn't mean you earned it. It just means that because God was first gracious to you, you are now obligated to behave differently. And so again, Paul refers to himself as their father because he was the one who founded the community, and in that way he gave them birth. And now he's going back, and he's clarifying and reiterating his teaching because the Corinthians had clearly gone astray.
1: Thank you, Father. Today's episode began our examination of the letters to the church in Corinth. Father Aaron first provided some context by stating that the Corinthian church was predominantly a Gentile community, one made up of Roman converts to the faith. We then discuss the similarities in the Bible of both Jews and Gentiles in that scripture is critical of both communities. Later in today's reading, we hear Paul address the Corinthians with a bit of sarcasm, which Paul says is not done to shame them, but to offer a warning. What is St. Paul's warning to the Corinthians, and by extension to us? If we expect that being a Christian will bring us an easy life, and that we can be viewed as honorable by a corrupt world, then we are doing something very wrong. We cannot play both sides. Jesus teaches us that a servant is not greater than his master. If Jesus was persecuted, so too will his servants. To live the Christian life properly means that our ways will not be popular with those in society, and at times, even among other Christians. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, Alleluia, alleluia Glory to Thee, O God, Alleluia, Alleluia, Hallelujah! Glory to thee, O God, O our God and our hope. Glory to.